everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Faith in Action podcast, brought to you by Christian Union, Martis. Mm. I am your host, Caleb Watt, here with my one bearded and shaved head, gro- hair growing back co-host, and the other no beard, but shaved head, hair growing back co-host, Isaiah Scott Smith and Tommy Kumpf. I reversed the order, but that's okay. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing well, Caleb. How are you? <laughs> Are you Isaiah or Tommy? This is Tommy Kumpf, the one with the beard. Shoot. This is Isaiah Scott Smith. I'm the one without the beard. (laughs) I love you both. You guys are great. Uh, Illy, Illy, that that stands for I love you in um, modern day speech. Sorry. Go ahead. Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) I got so confused right there. I was like, what is going on? One time one of my friends said he was talking to a girl. And he's like, yeah, and I said to her, Illy. And I'm like... He's like, no, 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 no. I said I love you, but I just rephrasing it. Because for a second, I'm like, did you actually go up to a girl and say, Illy? Illy. But he did not. So to everyone listening to this podcast, Illy. <laughs> Anyways, how are you doing today, Tommy? Doing well. Tell me that you're excited. Doing exceptionally well. Ooh, why? The reason I'm doing exceptionally well is because sitting in front of me in Isaiah Scott Smith's chair is the one and only Catherine May with an E, par. Thank you. Exec member of Christian Union. <laughs> Hi, friends. Hello. Hi, Catherine. It's Catherine here. Um, good to see, not see you, talk to you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> the purpose of Catherine being here today so is for our, our exec interview. And exec, Oh, she is exec. She is exec. Yo, that it's been like true. three weeks since we've had an exec. She is actually CEO of this company. <laughs> <laughs> And the purpose of this interview is for us to learn a little bit more about our exec members, uh, hear their testimony, and hear some of their thoughts on Christian Union. So with that, Catherine, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. My name is Catherine. I am a rising senior, which is crazy, um, at Penn. I, so this is where I tell my testimony. This is where no, you. This is where you give intro. Oh, intro. Tell us about intro. yourself. Tell, tell yeah. us about yourself before we, we give the yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever, um, whatever. Profile, real quick. Okay, mm-hmm. Catherine Parr, twenty-one years old, from Cold Spring, New York, mm. a small town an hour north of the city, and I am in Wharton studying healthcare management, and oh. I'm on exec. And <laughs> I'm also involved in Newman, where I was on exec there for two years before. She's got a little exec experience. I know. A little, yeah, little experience. Yeah. Beautiful. So yeah. now is where you're talking about your testimony. Okay. So as anyone else, start anywhere you feel comfortable. Yeah. Whether it be like high school, after high school, <coughs> wherever it is that you want to start, it is completely up to you. Okay. Um, I will start. I've thought about this, but I haven't fully decided. Okay. I'm going to start with. It's hard to explain. You're I'll good. just I'll just I'll start that part again. Okay. So, I grew up in a Catholic family. We went to mass mostly every week. My mom grew up going to Catholic school and she knew a lot about the faith. And my brother and I both went to public school because we had like a good public school near where we lived. So, I loved going to church when I was little cuz I loved doing the right thing. And I was obsessed with like other people believing that I did the right thing and was nice and loving and my mom would always say that like I was (laughs) the one that was like always wanted to get to church on time like always yeah like I prayed kind of I can't even remember what kind of prayers I would pray but I remember like knowing that praying was good and that that was like a good thing to do but I think growing up I my idea of like who God was was it was kind of and this is something that I think happens to a lot of people that grow up in the Catholic Church like there is like a lack of clear communication about the gospel and like what Jesus did for me and for us and I think when there's so much liturgy and so much like the sacraments are such a big deal and there's like all these different steps that you're supposed to take <laughs> steps that you're supposed to take to earn holiness or become holy there was just a certain amount of like it wasn't it wasn't based on love when I was little it was like these are the things that you do because it's the right thing to do 
And then that lasted like pretty much throughout high school. I we didn't really have a youth group. It was like me and a couple of my friends would go to our the basement in our church like every other weekend and like gossip with the other moms. It was like fun. <laughs> and we you know, we'd like eat snacks and it was a good time. We'd like play some games, but it wasn't like we didn't like read the Bible much. Like maybe twice I remember them like breaking out a Bible and praying. It just wasn't, like, super important in my life. Like, I was definitely the one of my friends that, like, went to church. And I read at Mass. I was a lector, so that meant I would, like, do the first and second readings and the prayer of the faithful and stuff. And so I, like, spent time reading the Bible every week when I would go do that. And I liked doing that because I was good at it. Like, I could read out loud and clearly and everything. But I didn't study it, really. That wasn't a thing that anybody in my town did. My town was tiny, it's 0.6 square miles, and there are like five or six churches. And it's crazy, there are so many. But everybody was Catholic, everybody. So it was, yeah, like our first communion class, there were like 30 kids, which is a lot when my town is only 2,000 people. And my, my school was really small. But um, yeah, so when I came to college, I kind of had an expectation that I was gonna go to church, and that was it. And then I, so I went to the STEP, like the Wharton STEP pre-orientation program, and I met Evan Thomas. Ooh. Oh, let's go. <laughs> and he was incredibly kind and caring, and he was the only one of the mentors there that cared and like wanted to hear what we had to say. Uh, wanted to hear about where we were from and what our stories were. And everyone else was getting up there and saying, like, this is how you get into frat parties. Like, this is how you get on the board of this club, all these different things. And uh, I, like, thought that was interesting, the things that they were saying. And then, and then Evan got up there and was like, yeah, you know, like, you're going to go back to your room and you're going to be lonely and you're going to be sad and it's going to be hard. And he talked about, when I asked him about um, the different groups he was involved in at Penn, he talked about being an NSP and being in Christian Union, Faith in Action. Yeah. <laughs> Rest in Never peace. Never forget. Never yeah. forget. Back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just very kind and loving. And that's just a really beautiful thing to see in people and an attractive thing to, like, yeah, you just are drawn towards those kinds of people. And so I talked to him about just like my faith background and I asked him if he knew any Catholic people and he said no. <laughs> um, and he, like we kept in touch. He was super nice to me and he was like, oh, I have someone who wants to get coffee with you. And it was Kelly. <laughs> oh, no. And oh, he like go. gave Kelly oh, my shoot. number mm. and she reached out to me and was like, hey, we should get coffee sometime. And I was like, okay. I had no idea what I was getting into. Absolutely no idea. We met up in Houston Hall, and we didn't get coffee, which I thought was funny. You know how people say, like, oh, let's get coffee, and you just sit somewhere and talk for a while? I didn't know that. <laughs> I was just a freshman. I, like, didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even really drink coffee, though, so I guess it was for the best. But we sat in Houston and talked for a long time, and I told her a lot about my life and my family, and I was very open with her in a way that I didn't, I don't think I really realized how open I was being until she's brought it up later that I was like very honest and open with like my family story and stuff like that. Mm. And she said that she saw a lot of herself in me and that that was why like we kept meeting. And yeah, so I didn't go to any of the Christian Union NSO events until <laughs> camp night which was so funny. And so I went to that. Oh, no, 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 not camp night. It was intro to Bible course night. I didn't go to camp night. Intro to Bible course night. And Kelly was like, hey, you should join a Bible study. And I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to overcommit. Like, there's a lot of things going on. She was like, no, no, you really should. Like, I'll add you to the group me. Which one do you want to be in? <laughs> and, I, and I really was like, not going to join one. I like didn't think that that was necessary, but it was like, because I was like, oh, I'll just go to Philia and whatever. And she was like, no, you should really join a Bible course. Like, everyone does it. You should do it. Like, peer pressure, it's fine. <laughs> and so I, like, joined it, and I went, and the girls were great. And I kept meeting with Kelly, and I kept telling her about my family and about, like, how I felt about myself. And 
now I'll start telling that story, I guess, a little bit. So um, my dad was an alcoholic, and he worked downtown in the city. He was a banker, and he worked for the Federal Reserve Bank of New York down in the city. And on 9-11, he had a meeting in the Twin Towers at 9 a.m., and he forgot his phone, and so he missed his train. And so he was going to be late to his meeting, and he was on his way down. And my mom called him and was like, hey, you need to turn around. And he was, like, already in the city, like, taking the subway downtown or something. Like, he'd just gotten off the subway. And my mom was like, you should come home. Something's going on. We don't know what it is. This is, like, after the first tower goes down. Mm. And my dad was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just going to go check it out. Like, this is weird. They thought it was an accident. And so he was like, oh, I'm just going to go look. And my mom was like, no, you need to come home right now. Like, right now. And so... He, like, gets on the last train out of the city and comes home, and he lost a lot of his colleagues and friends. Mm -hmm. And after that, he was, like, never the same. Like, it got, yeah, he just became very, like, caught up, I guess, in that addiction. And my mom stuck around for a while until, like, I was in second grade, and she was like, I don't think it's loving of me to stay in this relationship. She was like, I'm doing all I can. Like, I can't parent well and do this in a way that's good and healthy for my kids if I stay in this relationship. So she filed for divorce when I was in second grade and it was ugly and long and drawn out because my dad was still like in the throes of his addiction and his lawyer kept taking advantage of him and just drawing it out. And it wasn't finalized until I was like in middle school. Mm. And so when we were still little, my brother and I are a year apart uh, he's a year older than me. So when we were little, we would like go to his house for visitation every other weekend. And overall, he was just very detached, I guess, from our lives. I was really young when I decided like I have no use for him. Like I don't need him in my life. I don't like the pain that he's caused me or my mom or my brother. I don't need that in my life. It's not like adding value. I'm not interested in having a relationship with him. And like that's not something that a lot of nine-year-olds say. And that was, yeah, it was just weird. It was weird to, like, go to school and be around kids that, like, are just, like, kids, you know? And not worrying about, like, finding empty vodka bottles under their dad's seat in the car and, like, being too scared to tell their mom because she doesn't, they don't want her to get mad, you know? <laughs> or, like, having to call 911 on your own dad because you're scared for your own safety kind of thing. And he was never abusive uh, physically, but... It was just weird, and it was like my brother and I were just like kind of going through it, and there was no one really to talk to. I internalized a lot of it. My mom would be like, oh, you should like see a therapist, and I had no use for it. I was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And so I never really talked to anybody about it. My mom would like try to get us to go to family therapy and stuff, and my brother liked it, and I hated it. I just didn't want to talk about my feelings at all. And... Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that, which carried through to college, which is why I'm talking about this, was that I had a fear that if other people saw what I was going through, they were going to say, she's very successful for having dealt with all of these things in her life. And I didn't want that to be a caveat on my life, on my story, on my like successes. I was like, no, I want to be successful for me. And like I did this. And so I like achieved all these things by my own merit without like, yeah, I had to go through all that stuff, but like I'm still successful and capable of succeeding on my own. Even if I didn't have all those things going on, I'm still capable of that level of success. And I never talked to anybody about it because I didn't, it's something that people don't talk about, especially when you're a kid. And I never talked to anybody about it until I was in eighth grade. And I had a friend who like reached out to me and told me about his friend or his brother that had like a similar situation, similar like addiction situation. And I was like, no way, same. Like <laughs> my dad like also was an alcoholic. And so I was able to like talk to somebody about it for the first time and it was crazy. It was so like freeing, I guess, to talk to somebody and have somebody like really understand where I'm coming from and not, he never said like, wow, like, you've achieved a lot for having go through all this. He was just like, yeah, no, that, that's awful. And, like, you're impressive for, like, being smart and, like, involved in a lot of things and whatever, like everybody at Penn is.
So, yeah, that'll come back into the story later. But um, something else that I was going through at the time when I was a kid was my ear situation. I had a condition, I guess, disease called cholesteatoma, which is when your dead skin cells slough off. The only place in your body that can get caught is in your ear canal, and it disintegrates the bones. And so the doctors had to like drill into the back of my head, rip them out, and put in prosthetic bones that she'd make out of my own cartilage while I was under. And every time it came back, she'd have to do it again. Chances of getting it in one ear are really small. Once you get it in one ear, it doesn't make you more likely to get it in the other, and I had it in both. So once you have it in one ear, you can go to a doctor. That's a specialist, right? But then once you get it in the second ear, the doctor came out and told my mom while I was under having surgery on one of my ears, like, oh, we found it in the other one. My mom was like, oh, that sucks. Like, just take care of it while she's under, right? That makes sense. We'll figure it out later. And he was like, no, like, you don't understand. This is a really big deal. Like, I can't be her doctor anymore because I, he wouldn't have, if, I wouldn't have a good ear to rely on if he messed up on the second year. So it had to be an even more specialized doctor. So when I was seven, I started going to the doctor that I still see today. Uh, there are only like a dozen doctors in the country who can take care of it to the extent that I had it. There were, when I was a kid, there were only 12 other kids in the country that had it the same way as me, which was crazy. Yeah. So I was having like three or four surgeries a year, major surgeries. I was missing a lot of school and I loved school. I absolutely loved school and I hated that I couldn't go. And my mom was a saint, like going through all that stuff with my, with her divorce and taking care of me and teaching me stuff when I was missing school for weeks at a time. I remember when she was teaching me when I was in fourth grade, she had to teach me, it was mixed fractions and improper fractions. And she, I, we were just learning about them and she was like, this is what like nine fourths is. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Why can't you just say like <laughs> two and a fourth? And she was like, it becomes important later. And I got so mad at her because I was so stubborn. And I was like, it doesn't make any sense. And she was so patient with me, <laughs> just always. And yeah, I love her. She's great. Yeah, so coming to Penn, being able to, my, my way of coping with things was not talking about it and just pushing through. And that's something that obviously at Penn is a very prevalent thing that people do. And it's very unhealthy. And I remember thinking my freshman, at the beginning of my freshman year, like, I don't want to be part of the problem, but I don't know how to process my feelings any other way. Then the Penn face, like, everything's going to be fine. I'm just going to keep doing things the same way and pretend that I don't have all this stuff going on. That was how I processed stuff. And I remember having the conscious thought, like, I don't want to do that anymore. But I didn't know how to do it differently. And I was talking to Kelly about that. And I was talking to Kelly about different things in my story. And she was like, we should pray about it. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And she had me go through this whole, like, unbound prayer thing. I don't know if you've heard of it where you like go through every person in your life that you've ever been hurt by mm. and you forgive them and you name out all the things that they've done to you and why they've hurt you and how they've hurt other people around you and you forgive them for that and then you forgive yourself. So you can imagine this is like a very intense thing. I was like two months into my freshman year I barely knew Kelly. I was like new to this whole like personal relationship with Jesus thing. And <laughs> she takes me to her house and we pray for like three or four hours and I'm crying the entire time. And at the beginning of my freshman year, I like started to tell people a little bit about like things that I'd gone through. And every time I talked about my dad, I would cry. Mm. And it was just like instinctual. I didn't even realize what was going on. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know. I just cry every time I talk about it. And Kelly was like, I was like, yeah, it's so weird. I don't know why I do that. And Kelly was like, come on. Like, <laughs> you know why. <laughs> and then after we did that, like after we did that whole like prayer forgiveness thing that was hard and draining, it was like I'd felt the mercy of God in a way that I'd never felt before. And it was so beautiful. And I never cried after that again when I told that like basic story. It was crazy the way that like how instant that was. So yeah, I, I remember making choices at the beginning of my freshman year and I was like, I can't 
keep saying that this is important to me and then prioritizing other things. So I was like, okay, so the things I'm going to get involved with should be about Jesus. If I really believe that this stuff is real and true and good, like this is what I should be spending time doing. And I like didn't want to overcommit to things. So all I did was like join a Christian Union Bible study and I got kind of involved at the Newman Center. And that was pretty much it. I did a couple other things, but that was like my main commitments that I had to keep going to. And my freshman year, Christian Union community was different. It wasn't like it is now and that all the freshmen are like best friends. Mm -hmm. There was definitely like a group of people that were, that were friends, but I wasn't really part of that. I didn't have a lot of friends that were girls because in high school I had been hurt by a lot of girls and I was like, this isn't, I just wasn't interested. And I was just like, there was too much drama and like too much pain. And I was like, it's too hard. So I didn't really have, I wasn't super close with a lot of girls my freshman year. And then, yeah, freshman spring was tough. <laughs> Lots of things happened that, yeah, were hard to process and, and go through. I, I applied to be on Newman Exec that for freshmen, it start, they start their term at the beginning of the spring semester. So I started being on Newman Exec that spring. Uh, and I made new friends in that group. And it was really cool to be able to, like, go to mass with people, you know, and, like, pray with people and keep reading the Bible and stuff. And that was fun. And then a lot of things happened that were kind of out of my control that were hard to process. But for the first time in my life when those things were happening, I was turning to God. And it was cool. And it was, like, tough, obviously, because, like, <laughs> talking to an invisible person about things going on in your life is hard. But I also had friends and, like, a community that was, like, praying with me and for me. And it was really beautiful and powerful. My freshman year during Fling, my, um, my dad passed away. And he, like, someone called to ask them to do a wellness check on him. And they found him dead in his house alone. And obviously that's, like, sad and a hard way to die. And I, like, was, and I was telling people about that. It was hard, first of all, because it's fling, so everybody's trashed, <laughs> and like there aren't really people to talk to because everyone's busy doing fling things and having fun, which like makes sense. That's what people do during fling. The freshmen wouldn't know because they didn't do that this year, but usually <laughs> that's what, what happens. And I did have friends that like I was able to talk to, but it was it was hard because when you talk about a parent passing away, it's not supposed to be... It's supposed to be sad. And I wasn't sad. I was relieved and I was angry and just annoyed that, like, even in dying, he was an inconvenience to my life. Because here I was, like, I wanted to have a fun weekend with my friends. I wanted to celebrate my friend's birthday. I wanted to study for finals and do problem sets. And, like, I was figuring out how to give my mom power of attorney so she could like make decisions on our behalf and like talking like we didn't have a funeral because nobody would have gone like all different kinds of things that like nobody should have to deal with ever let alone like <laughs> freshman spring during finals it was whack and that was hard and I felt like there were a lot of expectations of me as like to just be a little adult and make decisions and it was hard to do but there were like multiple times where I was doing something and I was like, I just can't do it. And I'd like get up and I'd go to the chapel at Newman and I'd like hope there were people there that could talk to me. And I'd just like cry and like pray with people. And it was awesome and beautiful that people would do that with me. And I talked to the girls in my Bible study and they were so supportive. And yeah, I love them a lot. They're um, incredible and they were super supportive and great. And then I came back sophomore year with just a, yeah, just continuing to care a lot about Christian Union and about Newman and those communities uh, and seeing how important they'd been in my life. And uh, at the end of my freshman year, Kelly asked me to be an ABCL, and I didn't really know what that entailed. But I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Like, <laughs> um, I, like, loved Christian Union, and I wanted to, like, help in a leadership, like, role. And that was a way to do it. Yeah, I was really excited about it. And I, I took on a Bible course with Malia, which was so much fun. And developing a relationship and a friendship with her has been so much fun and so fruitful in my own like 
life with Jesus and with people. <laughs> um, and those girls have been, in our Bible course, have been so important to me and so supportive and loving and invested in our Bible course too, which has been so fun. And I spent a lot of time my sophomore year meeting with them. I meet with people one-on-one -on -one, like all the time, like so many meetings all the time. <laughs> and I was burnt out like pretty quick. Like I, I think I lasted most of the semester and then I was like, I just can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. I was meeting with probably like 10 people a week. I was done. I, and and every, we'd always say it was gonna be an hour and it was never an hour because I just always talked to people about everything. And I was just so exhausted and I went to Kelly and I was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like, this is a lot for me. And she was like, I feel that. Like, I understand. She was like, if you, I always feel like I feel that happening when I'm not bringing it to God. And like, I was, I was carrying a lot of the weights of the, the women in my life, like that they were going through. I was carrying a lot of those weights on my own shoulders in a way that is unhealthy and not called for or necessary. And I just started praying, like, and giving it up to God and being like, you got this, like, you're going to fix this, and it's not going to be me. You might use me, but I'm not, yeah, it's not my job to fix other people's problems. They're not coming to me, so I'll fix them. They're coming to me so that they can, like, talk about it and process it and pray about it. And so then sophomore year is when I decided that I wanted to go abroad because I needed a break because Penn was too much. <laughs> and I was able to do that. And then junior fall, I went abroad, had a great time, joined a church, Kind of. In the Catholic Church, you can go to Mass wherever you want. So I would go around the city and do, see different churches. But I was really inspired by all the Catholic churches that I visited there were alive and exciting. And the priests were awesome in a way that I hadn't really felt in the Catholic Church here. I hadn't really felt like they were preaching the gospel or like being loving and, and focusing on the important stuff in my churches here. And I was super excited about that. And that was really cool to see that. And I came back and, and people had always asked me, like, do you feel tension between like being Catholic and being involved in a ministry that like I could count all the other Catholic people on one hand? Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> and only need a couple of fingers, you know? <laughs> and um, I didn't really because like this community had given me so much in my personal relationship with Jesus. Like, I never prayed out loud before I got here. And now when I pray out loud with my Catholic friends, they're like, how do you do that? Like, what are you doing? How do you, like, know, like, what to say? And I'd just gotten, like, practice, and I'd, I remember praying that I could, like, be better at it because it's something that Catholic people, like, don't do. Like, they'll, like, read prayers off a card or, like, memorized prayers and stuff. And... um it's something that some Catholics do it, but it's largely something that's not done. And so I remember coming back and feeling the tension between like the Catholic Protestant thing, like a lot heavier than it was when I left. And it's like hard when like being Catholic is more than like going to church. It's like a lot of cultural things. It's a lot of like family baggage too, that like my mom and my brother are Catholic and that's like a important thing to them. And it's hard to, to talk to people about it because I feel like there aren't a lot of people that approach it in like a loving way. When people talk about, like when I hear Catholics talk about Protestants or Protestants talk about Catholics, it can be super judgmental. Mm. And that's really painful. And it's easy when you like don't know people that are, I'm crying now. <laughs> it's easy when you don't know people that are, like super like devout and loving Catholics or loving Protestants and like it's just uh yeah it's hard to have those conversations and for them not to not be emotional for me and so I like started talking to Kelly about it and she was like I think you just need to keep praying about it and learning about it and I've um yeah I've been taking steps to like learn more about like the biblical foundations of the Catholic Church and learning about, like, the Eucharist and baptism and the saints and all that kind of stuff has been really cool and fun. And people have been, like, really excited to, like, hear about it and 
pray with me, and I've just felt so much love and support from, like, my CU community and my Newman community, and, yeah, it's been really beautiful. But if I were to, like, sum, sum a couple things up, I would say, like, dealing with my own pride issues about, like, being okay with being honest with people and vulnerable with people about things that I've gone through and not believing that, like, it matters that people are going to care, like not caring if people care. <laughs> Dealing with like, like freshman year when Kelly was talking in Bible course about like, yeah, like you don't really deserve anything. Like God's grace is like abundant and like he got you here and that's it. It wasn't about me working hard. Like I'd never heard that before. And just having her like consistently say those kinds of things freshman year was like really, I think, transformative slowly in my thought process about who I was as a daughter of God and like forming my own identity. And then sophomore year too, I lived in the Catholic women's house and that was a blast and a half. (laughs) Um, Living with those ladies was incredible and I learned so much about how to be a good sister in Christ and how to, yeah, just love people well and fully. And we prayed together like every week, twice, um, just as a full house. And then I would pray with a lot of my friends just like every day. And that was really awesome to have people to go to church with and adoration with and those kinds of things. Yeah. And then coming back, I was praying about if I should do Newman Exec again. And I really didn't think God wanted me to. And I didn't want to because I had more fun in Christian Union than I did at Newman. And I kept praying about it a lot when I was abroad. And I was like, God, like, if this is something you want me to do, I'll do it. But I just really don't want to. So um, please, like, make it clear if this is something you want me to do. Like, yeah, like, make a way. And I just really didn't think that's what God wanted me to do. And I told them, and I was like, yeah, I just don't, I don't think I'm going to apply. Like, I don't think this is for me. And I came back, and this is the story of how I, I got on exec. And I was talking, <laughs> <laughs> and I was talking to Isaiah at the, uh, and I, I was like, I thought I had a good shot. I was like really excited about it, and I was talking to Isaiah, and I was like, oh, like trying to get him to tell me who the new exec was, <laughs> and he was like, he was like, do you remember this? Was it the party? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so. Um, who's it gonna be or something? And he was like, I think everybody's been asked. That's gonna be asked, and I was like upset because I was like dang it like I really thought I had a shot I was like oh well like you know God's gonna do great things and if this isn't God's will then I'm gonna like figure something else out and it's gonna be great and <laughs> but I was sad <laughs> and I was like who is it gonna be like this is it. I mean, <laughs> so interesting and then um like two days later I was over at Osage and Molly was like <laughs> I was the first time I was alone with Molly which I didn't realize because I was around people a lot Oh, for those who don't know, I was abroad last semester and then I came back for like a week at the end to hang out with people because my semester finished early. So I was over at Osage and she was like, hey, we haven't been alone yet, so I haven't been able to ask you, but like, do you want to be on exec? And I was like, bet, like, yeah, (laughs) this is so exciting. And so, yeah, that experience has been so much fun. Uh, I'm sorry for playing you. <laughs> yeah, you should be. Classic. Everybody does their part, but then one person is like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I knew, I knew she was going to be asked. <laughs> I was just, you know, but the timetable's off. And then deflecting <laughs> until the right time for Malia. <laughs> it was really funny, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I've had a great time so far. I don't know if you're going to ask about that, but... Um, have you been having a great time so far? <laughs> super great. Super great time. I wow. talk about it every time we meet. I'm like, guys, I love you so much. This is so fun. This is true. This yeah. is very true. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's kind of a, a summary. Hmm. That was kind of a long summary. but That was wonderful. No, that's great. Yeah, that was so you didn't say wow. Wow. I'm trying to branch out, Catherine. I'm trying to do new words, okay? Tommy spends his nights studying at the source. No, I literally have looked up synonyms for fantastic. That was A1, Catherine. Did you watch the documentary about the dictionary? Uh, You know, I missed out. It was a documentary. It was a movie. It was was actually surprisingly good from what Isaiah described. No way. I wish I had watched it. Uh, But about your testimony, that was 
Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing and being yeah. vulnerable with us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, the first thing that I can think to ask is, so can you talk about, and you've talked about that part, but that freshman year process, yeah. what did it look like coming to know like Jesus himself and not just yeah. Christianity? Or, yeah. Because yeah. that seems like what you described. So what, what yeah. did it look like? And you've said in some ways, like with Kelly, like how did right. she help? What did it, what in your understanding changed about him? I think I, like that he was a person, I think was like a big thing. That he was a person that loved me and wanted to be in relationship with me. Divine intimacy, divine intimacy is a term that Catholics use a lot. I don't know if it's a Protestant thing. No. It's um, no. basically just like having a personal relationship with God and being intimate and honest with him in prayer. And that was something that I had never thought I needed to do because I was so, I was achieving the things that I wanted to achieve on my own, on my own in air quotes for those of you who can't see that at home. And just reframing what I viewed as success and as, yeah, just, just not having that be on things of this world on sand was very instrumental, I think, in, in that. I remember going on the, like it, it took, a, it wasn't immediate. Like it wasn't like I showed up to Penn and it was easy or like fast. But I remember going on fall retreat freshman year. I almost didn't go. And like two hours before we left, I was friends with Jake. And Jake was like, we should, he was like, I'm going. And I was like, okay, I'll go. And so <laughs> I like text Kelly and I'm like, okay, I'm coming. She was like, great. And so I show up and I'd never met, I hadn't met the other girls before. So I, had, I hadn't met Emily. They were all in a different Bible course than me. So I hadn't met Emily or Rachel. And they were talking about like how they incorporate Jesus into their schoolwork. And I was like, what does that mean? And mm. Rachel was like, yeah, I like sometimes before I, I work on my homework, I just like break out my Bible and I read some scripture. And I like had never heard that before. Like nobody Really, it's very few people in the Catholic Church, at least culturally where I was, like, read their Bible. And so that was something that I was like, this is so weird. These people are so weird. Like, <laughs> this is nothing like my friends at home. And, yeah, just getting into, like, routines and practices of, like, praying and praying with people and reading my Bible was something that was new to me, but important, I think. Hmm. I don't know if that answered the question. Yeah, it did. Okay. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. No, I'm like, I have a question. I'm just going to try and get this out here because um, I really don't know how to articulate this. So I hope it makes sense. You have something to answer. Um, <laughs> so I think like, you know, a theme we like to talk a lot about, especially in Bible courses, is kind of this idea of like already, but not yet. Mm -hmm. So like you've been purchased by the blood of Christ. You're, you are now perfect by his blood but you're also being made clean and you're mm -hmm. also being renewed and sanctified. And it's a theme that plays out in a lot of places. I feel like one of the places it plays out is pain mm -hmm. where, you know, people who have suffered through trauma, through hard life experiences, through whatever, I think can find a lot of liberty in Christ and in the gospel. But they're also, but in many ways the pain continues mm -hmm. um, and there still is an ongoing struggle. You mm -hmm. know, there's transformation, but there's still more transformation to come. And so I was just curious on your life, if maybe you could share like how has, you know, coming to know Christ and, you know, and especially like, you know, the more intimate, like been released from pain and maybe some more specific ways. And then maybe what is it also like, has kind of the struggle still continued and what does that look like Yeah, for wow. it to continue? That's a big question. I think something that when I was meeting with a friend my freshman spring after my dad died, I was like telling her about it and she'd had kind of similar, not the same, but like we'd, we'd bonded over having similar family stories. And we were both crying because we were like, this could have been either of us. Like it's a lot to handle and deal with. And she said to me that she was like impressed with how I was handling it because she was like, you don't, you're not questioning that God is good. Like that was never a question in my mind. Hmm in my own story. And she was also a believer. And it like never crossed my mind as something that I should like think about as, as being a negotiable in that moment, which I think was such a, a grace and blessing in my, in my own life that that wasn't something that I had to like 
deal with. I think that in those first few days, it was hard to pray because I didn't even know what to say. I would like sit there and I'd be like, I like couldn't do it by myself because I was like, I don't know what's going on. And I think that that is something that like in painful situations is real, like not knowing what prayer to pray and just knowing that you wanted to stop and like be normal and like being like jealous of other people that don't have to deal with that kind of situation or just being like resentful too, I think is a real thing. So I think personally in my life, when I do think of situations that have been hard, I think I, I think that as God being good isn't, isn't a negotiable in my mind. And that's not an, it's easy to say and hard to, to live out and believe, but like I do logically, I'm a very logical thinker and I do think that like the same God that's good when he opens doors is good when he closes them. And that like mm. God's going to use this for good and for my sanctification and to become more like Jesus. And so I do think that although in the moment it can be hard to see that, I, I do think that in my own prayer life, I'm generally okay with believing that God has it sorted out and loves me. And yeah, I think that's it. Does that answer your question? No, yeah, that's a really helpful perspective. Um, yeah, so I have a question about discipleship. Yeah. Um, you talked about how you, I guess, became very burned out by mm -hmm. doing all these meetups and stuff. So I guess the question would then be, like, how have you seen God work in your life to equip you better for discipleship? And yeah. I guess on the flip side, too, like, it sounds like most of your discipleship, most of the people discipling you, at least in college, came from Christian Union. And you also talked about that a little bit of that struggle between like Protestantism and Catholicism. Yeah. Um, so have you ever felt that with discipleship and Christian union for you as well? And how yeah. have you come to deal with that? That's a good question. So I'm going to talk about something that I didn't directly talk about earlier and then continue to answer your question. So I talked about my friend earlier. <laughs> so like a minute ago, you might not remember. I remember. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Like when I was in eighth grade, the first time I talked to somebody about like my family, I was like so happy and so relieved to have somebody that like understood me and was honest with me and like could talk to me, could talk me through things. And I really became obsessed with the idea of like wanting other people to have that and not wanting other people to feel like they need to sweep things under the rug or that there's somebody who won't understand and so that was really important to me when I became an ABCL, especially, that I was there for people and that I could, that they could be honest with me. And so when I, I don't want to say overdid it because I do think that being in relationship with people is beautiful and, and good. But when I kind of like got burnt out from meeting with people all the time, I was talking to Kelly about it and she was like, why do you think you need to do this? And I was like, I just really want to be there for people because I know what it's like to not talk about things and it's hard. And she was like, uh, I don't think it's that. I think you might have control issues and you want to solve things for people. <laughs> and I was like, Kelly, that's not nice and easy to think. <laughs> what? And then obviously through prayer, I was like, yeah, actually, maybe she's right. Like maybe I do like want to like fix things for people because pain is hard. So through, um, like, repenting of that and, like, growing um, in humility and kind of giving things up to God more and more um, through prayer, that was, like, pretty transformative for me. And just being honest with people, too, about, like, when I couldn't, couldn't meet, which I, I'm not great at doing. I'm really mm -hmm. good at overcommitting. <laughs> but, yeah, I think in terms of discipleship now being discipled. Right now, in this moment, I am learning from one of our focus missionaries at Newman. And the missionaries are, FOCUS is an organization, it stands for Fellowship of Catholic University Students. And they are young adults, a lot of like recently graduated college students. Uh, and then you can stay, you have to stay for two years, but you can stay longer if you want. And then you help lead a team. They go to college campuses and their job is to love us 
and to lead Bible studies and to disciple us. And they're really cool and fun and Catholic and they're super Catholic in like a in like a cool way. <laughs> That's a term you're gonna have to explain. <laughs> <laughs> like they're like super excited about getting people to go to daily mass and like really excited about getting people to come to adoration and pray to Jesus in the Eucharist and really excited about talking about the beauty of the sacraments, but then they'll also just like have us over for brunch or like go ice skating or like, <laughs> I used to work out with one of mine. We'd go lift together. She was awesome. I love Mary. And they were all very like honest with me and, and loving and devout, which is cool because there aren't a lot of young people in the Catholic church that go to church for reasons other than to go on Sunday because it's the right thing. So that was cool to like really see people that were like living this out and being like, yeah, this is real and good. And like, I'm going to do outreach and like hang out on Locust and ask people what they're giving up for Lent or like give them, give out hot chocolate, like Fuji does apple cider. And that was really cool to see that Catholic people were like excited about doing that was really refreshing for me. And now I do discipleship is like a formal term in, in focus for a series of like trainings and kind of things. But I'm in a similar relationship to that with Angela, who's our team director, who was, I'm, I was meeting with right before this. And we pray, and we read the Bible together, and I ask her questions. And I, I remember going to her, like, right when I got back from being abroad. And I was, had no, she was new this year. Like, she was our new team director this year. And I said to her, I was like, look, this is my story. Like, I've felt God moving in Christian Union. And I've felt people excited about prayer. And I've felt people excited about changing hearts and measuring success on hearts and people's lives rather than number of people showing up to an event. And it's hard for me to keep being invested in a church that I feel like isn't crazy about loving God and is crazy about everything else <laughs> that's like around around it. Uh, that was, They were more obsessed with the ways of approaching him rather than the person himself. And she like received me very, very well. And we've been reading books together and, and talking and praying. And she's just a great friend and asks a lot of great questions and is very encouraging to me. So yeah, I think there's definitely things that now that I'm learning more about the Catholic Church, I'm learning are different. I don't think I really knew what the differences were until I started being intentional about finding them. Um, so I don't think it was really something that I experienced as different in the relationships that I had with people that were mentoring me in CU, like Kelly and Malia. So it's interesting now to to find those differences and then think about them and pray about them and process them mm. and talk to people about it again. And it's hard. People don't like... Yeah. Obviously, talking about things that you disagree with people on is hard, especially when it's, like, important. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that does really kind of, like, you know, since there is, like, a real tension between, you know, the Catholic Church and the and Protestant churches. And, like, especially in, like, I think something you mentioned early on is, like, just in how people behave and how we talk about each other. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, you know, as for us as Christian Union, who is very Protestant, like, yeah. you know, like I was thinking of the Catholic people and I could give maybe like three or so. Yeah. There really aren't that many in our group. <laughs> you know, like what, I was kind of curious, like what kind of perspectives do you have for our organization, you know, and the people listening to this podcast who are going to be Protestant and kind of like, yeah. you know, what have you seen and how we talk about Catholics? What's yeah. been, you know, and like, and honestly too, like what, what you see and like kind of what's your take on how we handle that relationship? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I have been encouraged. I want to start by saying that I have been encouraged by a lot of people in Christian Union and talking about, like when people ask me questions and I'm able to answer them, it's like really cool. And and like I can't, like, I didn't grow up reading Bible verses or like reading, reading the Bible at all or like reciting Bible verses. Mm -hmm. And that's hard for me to do. And I could tell you about the sacraments, you know? I could tell you about saints. I could tell you about all kinds of things that, like, people don't ask about. And when people, like, ask questions and, like, listen and don't, and just, like, actually listen, not just hear and respond, 
it's like really cool. And I like that. And people have said to me, like, I am encouraged that there are Catholics that exist that are like you. Like, I've never met a Catholic who, like, is excited to pray or something like that. Like, it's excited to do anything other than go to Mass on Sunday. I don't want to say excited to go to Mass on Sunday because a lot of people aren't excited to go to church, but <laughs> other than going to Mass on Sunday, I guess. And that's been encouraging, knowing that I can, like, that hopefully, like, by existing and being in this community, like, I can break down some of people, some people's misconceptions or preconceptions about what the church looks like and what young people in the church look like now. I'm trying to think of, like, times when I've been, I felt unloved or, like, unseen. I do think that this is something that I think is just generally something that all communities and especially ours need to deal with in terms of like majority and minority culture. Mm. But <laughs> I think like, like I think the most important thing is remembering that we're all people and we're all lovers of Jesus and letting that be the most important thing in our relationships and in our thoughts. Because I think that I have, I've have heard things that are like hurtful about, yeah, the salvation of souls that is hard and like really painful. And I think like actually coming humbly and being like, hey, Jesus did it all for us and, and we just need to like support one another as brothers and sisters. And that's not something that I think in some conversations is done very well. Mm. Yeah. You're fine either way. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to keep answering the question if there's no more to say. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. So, Catherine, for our final question of this podcast. Or Tommy's final question, unless I think of something real quick. You got it, Tommy. <laughs> for the final question of this podcast, where would you like to see if you come back to <laughs> Hey, stop. <laughs> He's I a Tommy Cook classic. It yet. It's happening. If you come back we should all say it Christian together. Union In Say with me. Five, five years. years. Oh, oh shoot. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> what would you like to see in this ministry? Yeah. I think diversity is an easy word to say. So instead of saying that, I'm going to say that the community is more loving and aware and has an outward focus. This is something we were talking about over the weekend that we're just open to receiving people better, that we are less focused on ourselves and what people are thinking of us and, and might think of us, because honestly, nobody thinks about ourselves as much as we do, right? Just being okay with thinking about ourselves less and receiving people well and lovingly, asking people questions about their lives without any assumptions. And something that I'm super passionate about, especially because I, I do have kind of two homes, I guess, within Newman and CU, is like prayer across different ministries is really important to me. And filling rooms and spaces with people that disagree on things, but most importantly disagree on the importance of the things that they disagree about. It's something that Nick Nowak talked about in, in the Romans talk at Winter Retreat, which really stuck with me is like, it's really, like, the things that we disagree about are, are pretty important, but, like, not not more important than, than loving people. And so I think having a group of people that care less about the things we disagree about than, than loving people. It feels like a lot of your story and the things that you're saying are all wrapped up in this theme of, like, humility. Yeah. Right? Like, how do we humble ourselves to listen to our other brothers and sisters who may mm -hmm. disagree with some of our things? And also for you, learning humility through um, coming here, getting to know Jesus and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's really, really cool. Yeah. yeah, no, it is interesting. You know, it's always like these podcasts color in kind of the world around you. Yeah. And it's like the, when we were running up the sand dunes or whatever, <laughs> fall retreat freshman yeah. year. And that's when like, I met Isaiah. Yeah, that's when we first met. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> and it's, it's just so interesting because you never know. And it's like you hear little snippets of people as the years go on, but it's then it's like here in this podcast, you have a chance to kind of get the full story. Yeah. And it is really interesting and it's really beautiful to see like, you know, I don't have a good adjective. I'd probably have to spend some time with the source like you taught me to think of it, <laughs> it's but it's hard. just, it's just, it's, it's just really interesting to see how God is moving people 
in this way that like when we hit each other in our lives, like we kind of just fit well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, and he's, and he's doing it a million times, right. you know, a million different ways in each life and yeah. a million different ways in the lives around you. And it is really beautiful. It's like pieces yeah. of a puzzle coming together. Yeah. I love puzzles. It's like the puzzle. Metaphor's <laughs> 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 too good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, I think I messed this up. I think good. the most important thing to me in telling my story is that like other people, I'm not, I'm not telling the story and this is something that like maybe there's sin in what I'm saying. So be gracious if there is, mm. but I am not telling the story so that people can look at me and be like, wow, look at all those things that she had to overcome. I'm telling it so that like if people are going through things that are similar or feel like they can't talk about that, like there's somebody that they can talk about it with. And I guess my vision for CU in five years would be that people are honest and not, yeah, just not worried about themselves. Like me telling the story right now is not about what people think of me, but it's so that other people can feel like seen and like, like this is a valid experience because for a plethora of reasons in Christian union and in society at large, like the things that I talked about, like disabilities and family stories like having divorced parents in the church like Mm -hmm. being catholic like all these different things that aren't like normal i guess are like valid and real and okay to talk about and so i want people to know that they can reach out if they need somebody to talk to you probably have my number but dm me on slack too (laughs) Yes, DM <laughs> Catherine on Slack. Let's all DM Catherine on Slack. Wow, right please now. do that. Please. I think, Catherine, you did a fantastic job of that. Literally, I was sitting here as you were talking. I'm like, huh, if I ever have some like really big emotional problem, I feel like I want to talk to Catherine about it. Yeah. I have a lot That's of emotions. That's probably why so. you have so many people going to you in meetings, because it seems like you do a very good job of understanding and listening. And that is something I really do appreciate about you and definitely came through in this podcast. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, there's like always two responses to suffering, right? It's either suffering, as Isaiah said, like sanctifies you, makes you more like Christ and makes you, I guess, in a way, able to sympathize with other people better, right? Like it has for you. Or like, on the other hand, suffering can create like this, um, I've been wounded, now I'm entitled to like stuff, sort Mm -hmm. of mentality as well, Mm -hmm. which I don't know, it's incredible to see someone who's gone through like a lot, right? And... Oh, just see how God works through that. And now you're able to, I don't know, like minister to so many other people as well. But yeah. anyways, that brings us to the end of our podcast. Unless and, you have ooh, any closing thoughts. Unless you have Catherine closing thoughts. You didn't ask about, about coronavirus. Oh, uh, shoot. Okay. This was another, oh, this is an Isaiah classic. That the is coronavirus true. That is question. the, oh yeah. yeah, yeah okay. I, just, I just thought of another question. <laughs> um, so during this time. Yeah. So no. during, so this is a pretty unique time. <laughs> What has life been for you like for you yeah. during Corona? <laughs> um, Catherine studied her podcast. This I know she's like yeah. I'm, the, I'm the number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> if you think that you're the number one fan, try me. <laughs> DM me on Slack. <laughs> yeah, I um something that I can I actually prepared for this question, which is why I wanted you to ask it. When I, <laughs> when I was, uh, last summer I was in India and I was pretty much alone. Like I didn't have friends really. I couldn't go to church cause it wasn't super safe. And I was just, I felt uncomfortable a lot of the time. And it was hard being like a nine hour time difference away from everyone I loved, like thousands of miles away from comfort and the things I like to do. I couldn't like work out or eat kale or anything. Um, <laughs> You know, for me, it's a big deal. <laughs> Had kale last night. So I think, um, yeah, that was kind of something that I I got practice being alone and in a room by myself with little to do. And when coronavirus came around, I, I was like, it's kind of a lot like I was in India. Like, I feel like everyone I love is really far away from me. And I feel like I can't go to church and like I can't work out and like I can't all these different things. And when I was abroad for I was away for six months in total, I got really good at being present in the moment and really good at seeing things that are going on around me and just like diving in and being okay with being alone because I the world was my oyster. I could do whatever I wanted. I was traveling like every weekend. I went to every beach. I like read 
all kinds of books and I had a great time. And I thought a lot about the idea of home when I was there. And I found home in moments and not inside walls for the first time in my life because I was so, I grew up in this small town my whole life and I loved it and it was easy to be there and comfortable. And then when I went abroad, it was a lot of things I wasn't used to doing and I, I found home in like smiles and like walks by myself and in mm. music and all different kinds of things. And then and I come back and I'm super excited to continue to be investing in relationships in person because I miss hugs and all the eye contact and all kinds of things that like, yes, I had friends over there, but it's not the same as these relationships here. And so I was really excited to continue to dive deep into those. And then then coronavirus came along and my whole life was walls and it wasn't moments anymore. It was just inside this house. And this is like where I need to live and thrive, failure to thrive. Oh, my nurses, I was experiencing that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I thought a lot about um, what it meant to be a good neighbor and what it meant to pursue God outside of community again, which is something that I, I thought I got my fill of while I was in India. And uh, no, I like still, still something I needed to learn, I guess. And I'm still learning right now. And so I spent a lot of time like in my bedroom by myself and I prayed and I, I learned a lot about Catholicism. And I, I think that when I decided to socially distance from you guys, I really thought that it was something that God wanted me to do, and I wasn't sure exactly why. And I think now that, like, in time, his plan is being revealed to me, I think that I was able to spend time on my relationship with him and about learning about his church in a way that I wouldn't have been able to do if I was over here just talking to you guys. And, mm. like, obviously, I, I love hanging out with you guys, and I love, like, being with people, but I think there was a lot that I needed to learn about Catholicism and church history that... I was able to do because I didn't have a million meetings. I did have a million meetings, but I didn't have to walk to a million meetings. So there was time in between. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad I thought of that question. <laughs> Get a great answer. <laughs> yeah, that was so great. That was good. Next time I think the interviewer should just come with a list of questions yeah. that we are to ask them. <laughs> that way they'll have such great answers every yeah. single time. I know. When, when my head hits the pillow tonight. <laughs> oh no. Oh, I'm going to be thinking of how great that answer was. You guys should do like a little like five, fast five or something at the end, like favorites. You know what I mean? Podcasts do that. I don't know what that is. Fast five? Yeah, you like ask like five questions that you're like. So like, what's your favorite pair of socks? Right. Mm. Yeah, go you're, ahead. You're oh, what are my favorite pair of socks? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um. <laughs> this isn't really fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fast. It's not fast. How are we going to get to five? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I like gray socks. Hmm. Yeah. I just, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say ideal room temperature. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, 68 light breeze. Hmm. What's your favorite lift? Deadlift. Oh, what? Nice. Wow. wow. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Wow. I like pain in my back, so. Mm. Oh, that's that is fun. That is my experience with deadlift as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't have anything wrong. Though. I'm just not good at it. Favorite book of the Bible? Mm, John. Hmm. That's a good one. Would you rather live on the top floor of a house or the bottom floor? Top floor. That's five, Tommy. Don't try. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. Six. Fast six? Fast six. <laughs> Speedy six. It is going to be so stupid. If a house has 30 floors, what floor would you like to live on? <laughs> and it's not an apartment building. It's a house with 30 floors. If that changes your answer. Is it a walk-up? Um, there's an escalator, but no elevator. Is it Huntsman Hall? <laughs> it is. Is the house Huntsman Hall? Huntsman <laughs> Hall. Um, are there also stairs? I mean, I guess <laughs> when the escalator breaks down. <laughs> Walking down escalators There's is awful. There's a fire awful. escape. Yeah. Why? It's faster. Yeah, but the, the lines, you know what I mean? Well, it's your house. This is your house. So can I carpet the escalator? Easy. I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Wait, so she owns I mean, all, no, it's possible. She owns all 30 know. floors and she has to pick which one to make her like bedroom and exactly. stuff? Exactly. Okay, okay, okay. Exactly. The other Wait, 29 are studies. <laughs> 
I don't know why you didn't put a kitchen in, Kat. That does not make a lot of sense. No, no. I probably wouldn't move in. But if I had to, I'd probably say 17. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's a good answer. Solid answer. Solid answer. But six is is not a lucky number, so you have to go for seven. Shoot, Tommy, why'd you do that to us? (laughs) Well, true. Would the answer change if there were 29? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yes. What's your favorite meal to make, create? And eat. Uh, I'm I'm big on salads that are like too big for any normal sized dish. So like eating a salad out of a mixing bowl because that's the only bowl it'll fit in that has like kale and chicken mm. and quinoa and mm. beets mm. with bread. Mm. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> good answer. Do you agree? Very nutritious. You know. One of those ingredients <laughs> was pretty good. Was it chicken or it bread? Was chicken. Yeah. I thought you were going to say kale, Tommy, but that's okay. No, he would not. Yeah, come on, you guys. Uh, and with that... Tommy, you can't steal my segue. I'm sorry. And with that... I mean, well, I was going to ask for clothing thoughts. Oh, okay. And then Tommy, this... Tommy, you dragging this out! No, I'm That's because I haven't heard a doorbell Don't ring. clip we the mic. We can keep going. Okay, let's keep mic. going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. No, Don't no, no. With that, Catherine Eat. Maypar, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with the community? Uh, I love you guys a lot, and I really want to hug you, and um, I can't wait till you all come home, and I'm praying for you, and thank you for loving me well, and seeing me, and welcoming me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for those closing thoughts that I was about to cut off. I hope they were worth it. I hope they don't they they, make they the cut. They were very worth it. Uh, <laughs> don't make the cut. Um, but yeah, with that being said, that brings us to the end of our episode. And a certain Catherine Parr has requested to read our outro. So I know you guys can't see, you. but Catherine was visibly extremely <laughs> excited for this moment. I know. Should I sing it? Double fist pump. Yeah. You can read it however you want. <laughs> sing it and then read it. The world is <laughs> and yours. And <laughs> This episode was brought to you by Christian Union at Penn. Mars. Oh, oh, we haven't changed it yet. Oh, I can oh, no. oh no! Oh <laughs> no! I was I was waiting for the music to come up out of nowhere, but I guess it's out of the <laughs> you, you have to play in your head. You have to play in your head. Okay. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Christian Union Martis. It was recorded, produced, and edited by Just Be Records. Special thanks to insert speaker me <laughs> for being with us today. <laughs> the views of the speakers and hosts are not necessarily reflective of Christian Union as a whole. Thank you for listening, and we hope you got the gospel today from this episode. Have a beautiful day, and see you next time. I added my own flair to it. Thanks, Catherine. <laughs>